Hello. Hello. Welcome to X to the Zennial. <laughs> okay, I seriously need to figure out like music for us because I think that would be helpful. I'll write us a jingle. I would prefer you didn't. Then and millennial. <laughs> How's oh. everybody doing today? <laughs> Hello. We I- just. Go ahead. We just, I just like purged out a whole bunch of emotions. So I know, I'm right? All zany. I feel all light and airy. My heart is all happy. She's like, I'm gonna do all the things. I'm gonna sing of happiness oh and not be burdened by all my caca crap that I've been carrying around. Okay, by the way, I did get feedback about the pants pooping. We are not talking about that again. Yeah, not. No, funny. we're gonna we're gonna drop not any funny. reference to excrement, please. No more feces. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> No. Um, okay, so we were trying to figure out a topic for today, and we talked a little bit yesterday. Right. And then, you know, we talked, we usually do a catch-up, just you and I talking about our stuff right. before we start the podcast. And so one of the things that had come up was kind of chronic illness and chronic pain. Pain and agony. Pain and, I know. That agony. <laughs> But also recognizing um, that the kinds of humans that you and I are right. are very controlling. There's that! And obviously we have gotten better through years of therapy and other things. To, Mindfulness. Yes. And letting go of outcomes and detaching in that way. Um, but we still like to have some modicum of control over our lives and what happens. One of the things that I heard you say earlier is certainly in the last several months, there have been a lot of things that you can't control, right? I can't control shit, man. <laughs> I can't control who's coming, who's going, who's free-flowing, nothing. Well, and I think that's the it's challenging hard. piece, for sure, because well, emotionally... Well, you can't control what happens, like, from day to day. Right. And the world moves. We're going to, like, the sun is going to rise and the sun is going to set. This shit's going to happen unless, like, there's a nuclear bomb. But right? those are the only things that are predictable. But that is so predictable, right? So that's it, though. Like, yeah. sunrise, sunset, that is the... That's the... That's it. The, the end of what we know to be uh, predictable. And the rest, um, very much of it, is not in our control. No. Not at all. And to the point of pain and agony, both of us have had chronic medical issues right. um, that have affected our mobility specifically. Right. Um, and you had talked last time about going to the chiropractor and getting an adjustment and feeling a lot better. A but a lot better, but still in pretty significant pain. Yeah. So the sneeze cough that made me hit, hit the deck, sorry, I was hiccuping, that put my pain level at like a nine and yeah. then I went to the chiropractor and that brought it down to probably like a seven. Okay. But I've been living in like a five, six, seven for weeks. Okay. For weeks. It's exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it, exhausting. it is physically exhausting because what pain does is it exacerbates that adrenaline response. Mm-hmm. And so your nervous system is fatigued because you don't, especially with a back injury, like you don't quite know what is going to make it worse. Right. And the things that make it better only make it moderately better. Right. Like Tylenol, I was like, fine, I will succumb to like putting in an anti-inflammatory into my system. I've been taking Tylenol on the rigs. Yeah. 
thought this is going to be magic and help, thought the daily physical therapy, this is going to be magic, this help. And granted, every day it gets better by like 1%. Yeah. Right? But if I like collapsed on that floor and hit 20%, I still have 80% to go. Absolutely. And I'm probably only at 60% right now. Yeah. And this is hard. Yeah. And exhausting. And when you said exhausting, I was just talking to my partner. I was like, I am just exhausted. Yep. Like, I am tired from literally doing nothing. I literally am working on a computer, writing documents. Yep. I'm totally, my brain is used to this. Like, that's not even a a thing to take into consideration that would exhaust me. It's pain. Yep. Pain is exhausting. I am exhausted from literally just being caught. Conscientious. Conscious? Conscious. That's the right word. But also, um, I think the thing about pain, especially because you are so used to being a physical human and moving your body around and doing things, is there's a level of depression that happens when your body doesn't do what you want it to do. Absolutely. I want to cut my own leg off and then I want to cry, but I want to cry before I cut it off and I'll probably cry after I cut it off and I like want to cry when I walk into my backyard because I can't bend over and pick up all the little rose petals because it hurts too bad. Yep. And then I'm like, okay, I can sit on my butt. Maybe I'll sit on my butt and do it. And then I can sit in this way. And then I try to like get in a position to do just these things that I love and enjoy. And I'm in pain. Yep. And then I like shift and I'm in pain and I shift and I'm in pain. And then before I know it, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm fucking not taking care of this because I can't even do this and enjoy it. Like I'm just in so much pain. And so that kind of brings us to that control piece is our bodies in theory should be something we can control. Right. But chronic pain and chronic illness and when it doesn't work the way it's supposed to, it is not just physically exhausting because your body uses and expends energy to try to heal it or fix it. Right. But also emotionally, it is exhausting because you want to be able to control your body. Right. I just want to get out of bed without yelping. Right. Without being, ah! like, this is my life now. Ah! <laughs> That's the sound. That's uh, thank you for, for sharing that sound with us. Um, but it is, it is very much that. Like, you want to be able to control it. Right. I just want to get in and out of my car without being like, okay, okay, slowly bring the leg in, slowly bring the leg in. Ah! Ah! Right. I still did it. Shit. Fuck. No matter what I do. Yes. No matter how in control I think I am being of my movements, I can't control this. No. I can't control the spasming and this pain and this pinched nerve. And right. Like, I can't control any of I'm not. I'm not in control of this. Well, and, and, you know, kind of to the point of the last month or several months, um, there has been so many uncertain things. I mean, even like the last year, right? Because everything is constantly changing and regulations. And and so what I heard you say earlier is, especially through the pandemic, before you injured your back, all you wanted to do was get back in the gym. All I want to do is get back in the gym. Because that is the one thing that you use, not the only thing, but it is one thing you definitely use as part of your self-care to distress and to... Celebrate my body. Yes. And because you've worked so hard in making yourself strong and making your, you know, your lifestyle very active. Right. It has been the one thing you couldn't do. Right. And then once it's opened, then you have this injury. Then boom! Cough, sneeze, on the ground, you're dying. Right. I'm 
not going to say poop in your pants because that didn't happen. <laughs> but it felt like it. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I mean, it was, it's, I've been, it put, I put a pin in it through this spring because yeah. this spring has been just really challenging in the sense of like lots of changes, yeah. roommate move out, significant partner move in, significant partner move out. New houses are being bought. Yeah. People shuffle. New roommate comes in. New roommate leaves because of a medical emergency with their family. Crazy. Don't have a roommate. Looking for a roommate. Roommate shopping. All the things, right? Yeah. Doing the yard. Finishing it. I mean, just so much on my plate. And I was like, the one thing that I'm really looking forward to is just like my summer break. And I'm going to get to go to the gym. Yep. I'm going to get up in the morning. I'm going to walk my little dog. And I'm going to leave him at the house. Then I'm going to go to the gym. And I'm going to work out. And I'm so excited. And blah. And then boom. Back injury from fucking hell. Right. And I am going to spend my summer break that was like the eye of the tiger that I was looking, like, keep your eye on the prize, keep your eye on the prize, keep your eye on the prize, keep your eye on the prize. <laughs> we're almost there, we're almost there. We're almost there. We got this, we got this, we got this, we got this. Fucking pull the rug out from underneath me with this back injury. And I'm like, oh, shit, I'm not going to be able to go to the gym. But I've, re- I've had to reframe all of that Good. in my head because being like I can't is not my modality of life no right I just I this too shall pass this pain will go away who knows I'm probably down like <coughs> a month a month and a half right and I think like that's the other thing <laughs> it is, literally is going to be my whole summer but you do recognize that there is an end in sight that there is you have been able to overcome this in the past. And so that's the fact checking piece. But when we get stuck in that, all of this is terrible. And especially with chronic pain or illness, it feels very permanent. Oh, it feels like forever. That's why I spent like two weeks eating ice cream. I mean, fair. Because it just makes me feel good. And by the way, this is not sponsored by Dairy Queen, but Dairy Queen has the best cotton candy blizzard or whatever it's called. Oh my God. I've ever had in my life. It is so good. Get out there and try it. But that said, I did have, you know, just this eye as price. So reframing though, and I think that this is just a testament to like the things that we talk about on the podcast, like you have to reframe it. And I'm like, okay, I can't go to the gym and access the gym in the way in my head that I thought it was going to look. Sure. But I, my ass went to the gym today. Good. Just so you know. I, yes. And our listeners know. And I know again. Yes. And I made it just a combination of doing my physical therapy there. Okay. So I'm doing physical therapy every day on my back and my IT bands and my glutes and my hamstring and all the, all the things. Since I do about like two hours a day. Yeah. Um, cumulatively throughout the day. So today I walked my dog, right? Okay. So that was like part of my goal. And then I left the dog at the house. Okay. Poor thing. And then, I know he's just so cute. He's so fluffy. I miss him already. Oh, my God. So then I went to the gym. Yeah. And I did some arm workout. Okay. I did some PT. And then in between each set of arm workout, like arm exercises, I would do some of my physical therapy stuff. Okay. And I left and I was sweaty and I was like, you know what? It wasn't the workout that you expected to do. Sure. But that was a pretty damn good workout. Absolutely. So why don't we come back tomorrow because you didn't critically injure yourself, reset yourself. Yeah. Because I'm not allowed to do that. And you told myself that in going to the gym when I was driving. I was like, you are not allowed to hurt yourself. Okay. Do not re-injure yourself. <laughs> Keep your shit in check or you will be grounded from the gym again. <laughs> so I did. Okay. It was great. And so I feel a lot better. 
Good. But shit, man, if you are living in chronic pain or you have a chronic illness, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And I, I work with a lot of clients, not a lot, a lot, but I have several clients who have chronic illness. And the challenge is that it is physically exhausting when you're having to manage symptoms But emotionally, it's also exhausting because, like I said, it feels very permanent. And for some people, and especially depending on how chronic the illness or injury is, it is is part of your everyday life, which limits what you can control. Because, again, the idea is your body should be something you can control. And for those of us who struggle with control... I am raising my hand. I raise my hand too. Right? I have two white tattoos that remind me daily that I cannot control things. And um, pretty much everything but my choices and my behavior are beyond my control. Which go. means literally everything else. Right. Right? Like I can't, I can't control whether or not clients show up. Mm-hmm. I can't control whether or not they do the work. I can't control... My friends who, you know, have their own lives and their families and whatever. Um, <clears throat> I can't control most of the relationships in my life. <laughs> I mean, I can control my boundaries and my reactions. Right. But I cannot control what other people do. No, I can't control another human being. They're their own free, free-range chicken. To and that is a good thing. And that's yeah. why we value freedom so much. Absolutely. That being said, it is difficult, especially when we have emotional connections, either familial or romantic or friendship-wise, all of those things affect us, but whether or not we take it personally is entirely up to us. Yeah, it's the interpretation. Yeah. It's like, did that person do that with intention to, like, piss you off? Probably not, because the world's not about you. Unless you're with a narcissist. Um, you're unless you're absolute. with a narcissist. But, oh, we do have a request to do a podcast on narcissists. I know, and we will, for sure. Um, But if we look at that, and then just like a sneak preview of that, like, how many, what percentage of the population really is a narcissist? Like, legitimately bona fide. Outside of TikTok? Like, outside of TikTok. <laughs> it's, That's it's, a millennial, not a narcissist. <laughs> I know they're too confused as the same thing. That's not actually... Oh, okay, so you asked a percentage. Yeah. I think it, it's a very low percentage and, yeah. you know, maybe like 1%. Of the entire world population or something like that. I would say of the entire American population. Yeah, that's still <laughs> I mean, but, but there are people with narcissistic tendencies. That being said, right. nine times out of ten, unless somebody is has a legit personality disorder or um, is an abuser, right. like... People aren't going out of their way to hurt your feelings. It's true. But oftentimes the narrative is this person did that to me. Right. The reframe on that is this person did that and I feel this about it. Damn, you're good. I really just am. Sort those feelings out. (laughs) But recognizing I have my own set of experiences and feelings and trauma and attachment expectations expectations I have all of that and so when someone does a thing whatever it is I'm gonna have feelings about it and if I don't manage my trauma my attachment my insert my own thing here then yeah I'm gonna have feelings about it and then I'm going to react or respond 
to whatever the stimulus is. So if my orientation is to try to control things, Mm -hmm. and certainly from a codependent lens of I want to manage your feelings or I want to make sure that you have everything you need or I'm going to sacrifice myself and bleed out so that you feel a certain type of way. So that you're happy. Right? Um, then yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to live my life pretty miserably. Yeah. In pain and agony? In pain and agony emotionally. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> but really recognizing that when, when we cannot control certain things like our bodies or our partner or our relationship or our boss or our job or children, all of the things. They are their own little critters. Since the very beginning. Uh And once they get out of the potato phase, which is what we call zero to 12 months, um, you know, then they're going to want to assert their independence. Right. And they are going to frustrate the living shit out of you. And even in the potato phase, that can feel very exhausting because you don't sleep and you don't speak the language of crying. And so you're trying to do all the things. And yeah, parenthood is like a whole shit show onto itself. God love you or whatever universe creator. Um, For people who like choose consciously to do it and really want it. Um, But it is hard. Yeah. And... That's why I will always have a job um, and you will always have a job. I will always have a job because nobody does parenting perfectly, even though you want to. Right. And this expectation that you're going to. Well, especially because when when you consciously choose to be a parent. Right. um, Yeah. You're going to either hope like hell that you don't fuck it up. Or that you have to do it perfectly, which that is what creates a lot of anxiety um, for that new control. parents. That's a control mechanism. Exactly. I'm going to be a really good parent. I'm going to be the best parent. I'm or I have to the, be the best parent. I have to. The woulda, coulda, shouldas. Yep. It's going to drive you to a lot of crazy. And especially because, one, nobody does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us are trying to undo and control the things we didn't get when we were children. Right. Uh, it's so heavy. Trying to control that narrative. Yeah. It's so different than the narrative that you were raised in. Or to replicate the same narrative that you were raised in. Because my mom did it so well and it seemed effortless and I, you know, had such a great childhood. Right, it was beautiful and perfect and all the things and all my kid does is fucking cry all the time and smear their shit on the walls (laughs) and they're singing. Seriously? One, your kid shouldn't shit smear shit on the walls. If that happens... Deal with it. They but they have food, they put boogers, they put all in their poop. They bodily foods like things are on the walls. <laughs> Cheetos, have you gone in the houses with the Cheeto marks on both sides of the hallway? Uh, I would lose my ever loving mind. That is not a scratch and sniff wall. We are not a meow wolf. These are households. <laughs> <laughs> Luna did write on the wall one time. See, shit on walls. And not actual feces. Well, yeah. But she was a very precocious two-year-old. And so I was like, you've got to clean the wall. Like, we live here, this and that. And she was like, it's your house. You clean it. Damn, <laughs> She was two. Um, she knew what was up. She really just did. She figured it all out. Oh, my God. She was in 
control of that household. <laughs> <laughs> she is going to be in control of that household again. But anyway, not my household, her own. Um, it is interesting what motivates us to want to control things. Right. A lot of times in my experience of myself when I am trying to control things, it's because my anxiety is at like a critical mass yep. of my head imploding on itself. Yes. What is causing this anxiety? I don't fucking know sometimes. I fucking don't legitimately know. I can't tell you what's causing my anxiety. I That I would have to sit back and like really process, kind of go through a whole like self-reflection, and then I come to it. And that could take, like, a day, but that could take, like, several months. Right. <laughs> like, and it just depends on the, what's going on in my environment. Right? Sure. And but I think whenever there's uncertainty yeah. or you've had to people a lot, no. those are all triggers for your anxiety. Yeah. And because you're a very cognitive, like, thought-processing human and you do a lot of internal processing, you probably have a level of anxiety that is higher than... Someone who's, like, super chill. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I present super chill on the outside, but the inside is just, like... A whole... <laughs> right? And I... I chug it on something. For sure. Um, and I've, I've also been a, a high-stress, high-anxious person, and I have always wanted to control things. Um, part of it was my upbringing and having been told that I had to, and then also... Um, just not feeling in control of, of so many things with like so many children or parents who didn't like each other or all of these things. Like I'm always trying to control external sources. Like I, I am not, um, clinically OCD, but my anxiety presents in a, in an OCD way that I have to make sure that everything is where it needs to be. And there's a predictability in my schedule. I've gotten a lot better, obviously. Um, and I, I think I've shared here, like, I had an eating disorder for uh, quite a bit of my adolescence. Mm -hmm. And um, part of it was about weight, but more of it was about control. Right. And if I could predict or um, control how much I ate or did not eat, then it would create a feeling of calm there you go. and um and you know most eating disorders are not about weight maintenance no. though that is what it starts as right. but it is very much about control right absolutely and controlling the emotional internal regulation and dialogue right what are the messages what are the feelings yeah how can you numb this out or how can you pacify it? Yes. Because binge eating disorder, that's a really hard one. It is. Because when you recognize that eating is, uh, it releases endorphins. And it's something we have to do. Right. It's a biological process that's kind of mandated for us to keep living. Exactly. But if, if you are emotionally dysregulated, it is the one thing you can control. And when I talk to clients, I talk to them about control what you can in the moment in a healthy way, right? right? Like, if that means taking yourself to the gym or, you know, asking a friend to hang out or, um, you know, creating some comfort in the moment right. to get through this moment, right. then that's what you do. Hopefully that's not going to be a, a maladaptive behavior. Right. So 
you know, a lot of times any kind of self-harming, so like cutting or self-sabotage in a relationship, like those are controlling things you can in the moment, but it's maladaptive. It's not helpful. It's not helping your cause. It's not helping uh, unroot and cure and fix that anxiety. It's it's very much doing the opposite. It's a perversion that's adding to that. Absolutely. It's pervasive in that it's adding to that anxiety, even though in the moment that you're doing it, it feels very therapeutic and calming to you. Yes. And it feels like the solution of the moment. Yeah. But then you get the hindsight. Well, you get the consequences, right? Whatever that is. Um, My and- underwear are too tight. <laughs> Oh my God, don't go to Dairy Queen. I mean, do whatever you're going to do. I can't control you. Uh, (laughs) But really, really recognizing that our anxiety, when we talk a lot about anxiety on the podcast, I think part of that is most people... um, Function their lives in some kind of anxiety. Absolutely. And so really recognizing that when you want to take control, it is motivated by that anxiety. It is very much trying to regain some kind of semblance of control of your life. So then you think about big events that happen. So last time we talked, last couple times we've talked about change. Right. And how there's so many things that happen in a lifetime that you cannot control. No. Um, And so there are spontaneous changes. So a very simple one is somebody cuts you off in traffic. Right. <laughs> or, or like a water pipe bursts or, you know, a fucking your car breaks down. Damn it. And so we like in, in human behavior, we like a semblance of predictability. Well, yeah, we want to get in the car. We want the car to work. We want to turn on the water and we want the water to run. Yep. We want to be able to drive to work and get there safely without. Absolutely. Without any incident. But, you know, if you drive in New Mexico, which we do, uh, people drive really badly here. They're so scary. It's... <laughs> oh, they're all scary. They're all scary, yo. <laughs> hey, you've got my northern New Mexican going. I know, I like it, eh? <laughs> But all of those things will break off our kind of regulation of homeostasis. Right. Now, if you're dealing with other things, right? So let's say you're parenting teenagers or you're parenting a newborn or you're parenting period. Like there's so much unpredictability. Right. There's so much uncertainty in what your day is going to look like. And that's why a lot of parents really try to, and, and it's actually good for the child, but to create a rhythm and routine. The routine. Yes. The like, I gotta go, nap time is in 20 minutes, and we gotta be in the silent silent room with the things going. Or we've gotta get in the car to put this child to sleep, because that's the only way they sleep. Right. Um, and, and so when we, you know, when I work with new parents and we talk about sleep training, um, there's this strong instinct to hold the child and comfort them. And, and part of that is that, you know, almost instinctual Cody of like, they cannot be distressed. Well, here's the thing that we talk about a lot on the podcast. Distress is actually a good thing and it's going to happen. And it's normal. But human beings have to learn to self-regulate. Yes. Now, that is very different than control all the things. Right. But for some of us, again, raising my hand, I feel better when I can control at least me and my environment 
And that helps me to self-regulate. There you go. And what I know to be true is part of that means when I come home, I need to have quiet. I need to have uh, healthy food. I need to be able to just relax. Right. And whatever that looks like, right? Um, Because in my day, my schedule could fluctuate. Right. Or... I could have a billing issue or I could have to pay a giant ass bill or, you know, insert thing here, which throws me off. Right. It helps. It helps to dysregulate me. Right. If I don't do the things that I need to do to regulate myself, then I will be in a state of anxiety. And if I have enough anxiety that affects my sleep, affects my appetite, then it starts to affect my my mood. It's like the whole trickle <clears throat> effect. Absolutely. It's like coming down and it's rooting and it's growing more roots and it's becoming more invasive and it's then it's over it's coming into like all different parts of your life. Absolutely. And so before you know it, you know, you're going to have a panic attack or, or you're, you're going to get depressed. Exactly. Or you're going to cry and eat your feelings out. That's true. And you know, you, you may napalm a relationship. You might break up with the love of your life just because you're, like, having a really high anxiety day. Right. And and the thing is, it's not just a day, right? If we, if we had just one day, that could be regulated. But there's a lot of things with change that happens. If you can't control it, it turns into the slippery slope of... Well, like these micro traumas and these micro builds and it's like the little tiny Legos. Yep. It's like a little one and a little one and a little one and a little one. Before you know it, you have like a whole fortress around you and you just built it one teeny little mini micro aggression, little micro this, little micro, oh, that really pissed me off. Oh, I didn't resolve that. A lot of unresolved things. Absolutely. And the other thing is that that's in a normal day, right? That's just the regular ass shit that happens. Throw in grief. Throw in, you know, somebody made a very distinct, significant decision that then blows up your life. Right. Right? Yeah. Car accident. Yeah. Um, you know, so many things. And, and that's the other piece is that we struggle as humans to manage the very minimal of change but even good change right so we talk about parenting and how that's a conscious choice right and all of a sudden you've got this new human you spent you know 40 weeks making and your body changes and you can't control your body and your sleep changes and you can't control your sleep and your partner might pull away or get closer. Like there's so many things. Right. Even though it's a good thing that you wanted. Right. The idea that you should be able to control it is such a fucked up concept. It's completely fucked up. But that's how we are as humans. I know. We we're, want. We're, we want to be all controlling shit. Well, and, and I think that to a certain degree we can be. But we also have to recognize that there will be a lot we cannot control. Well, that's that flexibility. We've got to strengthen that flexibility muscle, and that's what helps to diminish the anxiety. For sure. Right? Like, we've got to do the self-talk. We have to do the, let's reframe this. It's not the end of the world crisis. Right. 
what are our facts? Let's fact check because we have to use our resources yes. or that everything is going to compound and turn into just a giant shit show of pain and acne. Right. So then throw in chemical imbalance. No, God. Oh, <laughs> hormones. Why are you so mean? <laughs> right. Hormones for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't make enough serotonin and dopamine in your brain. Right. And you're prone to to depression, chronic depression. Like, that's the other thing. Or you've got bipolar or you've got, you know, who the hell knows? Like, being a human is hard. It is hard. And it's stressful. It is hard and stressful. And so learning to be able to self-regulate, right, back to the parenting, is super important for tiny humans. Right. So then they become better at being flexible. I love that you said that because it's super helpful. We get so rigid and want it to be what we want it, which is why a two-year-old has a fit. When the dog won't do put on the pants. (laughs) The dog won't put on the pants! What are you talking about? It's a meme. There's a dog in pants? It's like a two-year-old having a meltdown because the dog won't put on pants. I was just saying, like, the two-year-old has a meltdown because, you know, they wanted the SpaghettiOs and you didn't make the SpaghettiOs. You denied them. Oh, my God. And it is, like, an emotional upheaval of the highest magnitude. They just fucking lose their minds. Or, like, they want to be able to do it themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, put that same energy and emotion in, you know, a partner who just isn't getting their needs met. Could you imagine if you actually, well, you're your own boss. Okay, could you imagine if you came, if I came unglued, like yeah. a two-year-old yeah. in front of my boss at work? Oh, my God, you like, would be fired be immediately. Fired in a no, they'd send me to, like, where a psyche valve. <laughs> <laughs> right? They can't fire me off, like, straight off the bat. Or what if your I boss is, hospital, right? Like, what if your boss is the two-year-old? Who, like, loses their mind because the reports aren't done or because there's an audit or... I mean, we deal with giant-ass two adult two-year-olds all over the place because they can't self-regulate. Exactly. And, I mean, honestly, like I said, we will always have work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because these are skills that I teach. And I am teaching people who usually have to deal with giant adult two-year-olds. But, I mean, it's, it's being a human is fucking hard. Under the best of circumstances. Even when it's good and easy. I'm using air quotes. Right. Easy. Like, just to be in stasis? Yep. Stasis is still hard. It's hard to maintain. Which is why we want to control the things we want to control. And so I talk a lot about control in session, and not from a judgy place, But one of the things that I've noticed with certain clients is once they start to recognize, oh, I wanted to be in control of that, or oh, I was trying to control that, when they are aware of it, they actually pull back and let things unfold, and they feel better. Good. And that's... you should. Absolutely. Because you're relinquishing control, because you cannot micromanage all the things. Yes. And it makes such a huge difference. It does make a huge difference. When I finally was like, people's going to be people's. Driving got easier. Yep. Going to work got easier. Exactly. Having friends got easier. Dating got easier. Because I was like, people's just going to do what people's are going to do. Right. I can't control any of that. And I'm just here to observe it. And and to and reap go- the benefits of when think good things happen. Because good things happen. Oh, there's lots of good in the world then I will have the gratitude for that. Mm-hmm. 
And because you and I are doers, we are able to actually control quite a bit more. Right. Because one, we're not trying to control everybody else. Right. And two, like we talk about often in the podcast, we set a goal, we do the things to get there, we fucking accomplish it, you know, on to the next thing. Bam. Yeah. Conquered. And controlled? Well... Managed. Managed. I think that's a big thing, too. I think when we start using this word control, people will kind of rescind back and be like, I'm not a control freak. I just manage everything. (laughs) Micromanaging is, in fact, controlling. Word choice, right? Yeah. If you are someone who's having a visceral reaction to when people say, like, that's really controlling, maybe that's something to, like, pay heed to, though. Yeah. Because if you're, like... You know you're doing it. If other people are calling you out on it, yep. it's happening. For sure. Manage that. Well, be aware of it and then recognize how you can do it differently. Grow around it. That being said, there is a negative side to control. Mm-hmm. And certainly when you are with someone, let's say in a romantic relationship, and they want to know where you're going and you don't need to wear that. And, and, you know, who are you talking to and who do you like on Instagram and all of those things? That's toxic control. That's not healthy. Well, and it's not. And it comes from their insecurity. But if you are trying to manage their insecurity okay. by then going above and beyond and doing all the things. Not and, wearing the things, answering right. all the questions, helping to placate and manage their shit. That's not good. And there, there is, again, there's a balance to that, right? If you recognize that they are insecure because their partner cheated on them, and so then you can say, what can I do to help you? Right. That's a voluntary situation. What can I do to help you to feel more secure in our relationship? In our relationship. Yeah. We're doing this hand thing back and forth right now. Right. And that's, and and we'll talk about infidelity in another um section be another section in another episode of S to the Zenio. In another chapter. <laughs> but really recognizing that our trauma, right? Our stuff, things that we grew up exposed to, learning, listening to, relationships we've been in, we're gonna take all of that into a new situation. Oh yeah. And so if we start to want to control things, we have to be aware of, oof, I that's not one, it's not landing well with the person I'm with. Right. And two, I don't feel very good or secure in, and that's mine. That is something I can control. I can control my behavior right. and my choices. There you go. Literally, that's all. That's about it. But if you recognize that and can find that stasis, right, can right. find that balance, your life gets a little bit easier. It's true. When you detach from the expectation of what other people should do, Or what you should do, even. Right? Yes, that's a big one. That's a big one. Because that can lead to a lot of mental strife. Absolutely. Because I'm always like, I should be, I should be, I should, I'll be a should if I should all over myself. You do should all over yourself. We do. We both do. And then I have to take a step back and be like, uh, no. Well, yeah, sure, you should be doing those things, but why aren't you then? Yeah. Let's get real talk here. But holding yourself accountable is different than control. Well, then that's when it becomes an accountability issue versus a control issue. Absolutely. What, am, I trying to, am I trying to exert control because I'm, like, anxious as all fuck and I'm trying to, like, figure that out in my right. head here? 
I'm pretending to like tweak my head a little bit. It's kind of funny. <laughs> um, or where is where is this coming from? Is this actually coming from a place of genuine care and concern for myself? Yeah. Or is this coming from just like some controlling, weird, anxious place? Yeah. And then I have to process that shit out. And then once I figure it out, I'm like, oh, action plan. Action yeah. plan around what you have deduced. And that's really helpful. I love when you said that action plan because a lot of clients who have anxiety usually either just naturally anxious humans or have a lot of uncertainty and different change happening. One of the exercises I really encourage them to do if they're not able to sleep or if they can't concentrate or if they're just really perseverating on whatever, sit down and write it down. Yeah, that gets that shit out of your brain. It also gets it out of your body. body. Exactly. You feel that energy in your body when you're trying to sleep. Yeah. Or focus on work or whatever. But then... Write it down, sleep, save it there. And it's something you can control tomorrow. Because you can come back to it. Absolutely. And... Clearly, you're not going to forget it's written down. Once you're knocking things off that list, that feels a little bit better. Now, that being said, some people have a really long list and there's a lot to do. Yeah. But if you help to recognize what can I do, what choices and behavior can I control in this moment or in this day, or do I just need to get through the next week, and what do I need to do to get there? What are my steps I'm going to take to get there? Exactly. How am I going to break this giant, even if it's, to me, sometimes a giant list feels like two items. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Like, they can be just very daunting feeling. And sometimes my doo-doo list is, like, 40 things. Yeah. But breaking down in that action plan of what day will I start? Yeah. When will I when will I implement this plan? What are the steps that I need and how what do I need to be successful in this? Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. All right. And and that can be as simple as I just need to get the dishes done tonight. Yeah. And we get real avoidy when we're anxious. I know I do. Uh-huh. I get very avoidy and I don't want to do anything and it feels overwhelming. But if I just exhausting. do one thing and I can knock it off the list, and that could be a mental list or an actual physical list. Then I'm like, okay, cool, that's done. And then I'll go for the next thing. And then I'll go for the next thing. And that is a good start to, one, managing the anxiety, control what you can in the moment, and stay grounded in the present. Perfect. That is our time. Welcome to the present. Goddamn, we're so good at this. Ah, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, um, x to the zenial underscore podcast on Instagram. X to the Zenial, the letter X, the number two, T-H-E-X-E-N-N-I-A-L at gmail.com and Luna dash or underscore X2 underscore LLC on Facebook. Thank you so much. If you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, if you have any feedback, uh, definitely let us know. You can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We are all over the place. Just Google us. You'll find a way to listen. And it's awesome because you can just Google us and find it. It's so cool. (laughs) All right. We'll talk to you soon. Absolutely.